politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here at CR Podcast Blaze Media. It is Thursday, and folks, we got a really special show ahead for you today. We're going to talk about the need for a Nuremberg-style trial commission on what went wrong, who knew it, when did they know it. We cannot let this go with the COVID fascism because, frankly, the other side isn't letting it go either. They might temporarily, because it's getting hot and people want to go out in the summer and enjoy themselves, give us a little reprieve, but it's all up to their discretion, not our discretion. They control our our bodies. They control our mind. This is public health. What are the lessons we can learn from Nuremberg and what led up to it? It's funny how nobody wants to talk about the Holocaust and what led up to it. It's like you're not allowed to talk about it, but what is going on with forcing experimental masking and vaccines on children, treating human beings as a threat to violently go after them unless they take affirmative actions against their body. I mean, dude, that has greater uh, parallels to anything we've ever seen uh, to Germany in the 1930s. So it's very appropriate to start sounding the alarm bells and working to fight it. The more time goes on, the more we are proven right on every last thing, the more studies come, come out, the more they're proven to lie. We need to go and kick the other side while they're down and not just walk away from it. The fact that we're not doing this, having tribunals in every red state and then extirpating all of COVID fascism from the departments of health, the departments of education, they're not doing this. It might be a little better in some of the red states. It's not that much better. All of it's illegitimate. It's not like, well, Daniel, we're making progress. No, none of this should happen. None of this should happen. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at AR500 Armor. If you've tried to purchase a firearm or ammunition in the past year, you know obviously there's overwhelming demand. But it's not just about purchasing firearm and ammo. You need to protect yourself with ballistic body armor. Okay, The demand has never been higher. Um, prices are going to go up. And folks, you need, I, I wouldn't have advertised for something like this in the past. I would have thought you're crazy. But I do think civilians need it now, especially in certain places. Um, folks, you know, to go along with that concealed carry, there are some good lightweight options for body, body armor. AR-500 has you covered. Um, they make it easy, approachable, and affordable. If you go to ar500armor.com, you could buy it online, have it shipped straight to your house. They have multiple packages built for citizens just like you um, who are looking for various levels of protection. Some are for handgun caliber, for um, rifle caliber. There's different levels. They've put together packages specifically for you guys in this audience. If you guys go to ar 500armor.com slash Daniel. You could see their special promos, and with the promo code Daniel, you get 20% off. I love the products. Um, again, I find they have a lot of good lightweight options for the summer, um, so check out what you feel works for you. Visit ar500armor.com slash Daniel, promo code Daniel for 20% off. Remember, the best time to prepare was yesterday. The second best time is today. And that's the thing, folks. It's never too late to do the right thing. The problem is we have these phony Republicans that only do the right thing when it no longer matters, just at the point when we're about to get rid of them in the primary, and then we can't get rid of them in the primary. Now, there's a lot I want to get into, but I really want to save most of the time for our very special guest today, We're going to have a Holocaust survivor talking about the lessons of public health and informed consent and the merger, marriage of 
the medical community and government and the dangers of that. Boy, is she well-equipped to talk about that. There's tons of crime stories I want to get to as well, but probably have to save that full, you know, for tomorrow. But for now, I want to make one point before we bring on our guest. I was thinking, as I was teaching my son about the War of 1812 this past week, and we learned a little bit about the Hartford Convention with the Federalists in New England opposing the war, and how they had such bad timing with the convention opposing the war right when the tide turned, and, and then you had the Battle of New Orleans and Andrew Jackson, and, and um, you know, despite the fact that, that we, we got beaten pretty bad in parts of the war, but the outcome of the war was really very good for us. Um, so they were caught on the wrong side of history, so much so that the party was literally destroyed. It's like the one time in history where you find a party self-immolated to the point where they became irrelevant. They disappeared. And you had the era of good feelings during James Monroe where you literally had one party, the Democratic-Republicans, and that's it, until you had the split between Andrew Jackson, the Democrats and the Whigs, and you know eventually Republicans and Democrats uh, you know, during the, during the Civil War and thereafter. And I was thinking, with everything the Democrats are doing that is so radical, so destructive, so repudiated, why don't we have this Elijah on Mount Carmel moment that was the Hartford Convention with the Federalists? Why don't we ever achieve that? And the answer is because we have a Republican Party that shields them, that doesn't make the case against them every day what they're doing on COVID fascism and how it's disproven and showing all the studies and saying it with one voice, doing it on crime, showing all the crime stories, showing all the problems with criminal aliens. I mean, Border Patrol just caught a number of sex offenders coming through. Imagine those that we didn't catch. And people don't hear this, so they don't know. So you have yesterday, Sean Hannity holds this forum with red state governors. And again, the whole point is like, he had Ron DeSantis there, and there were a couple others, but the whole point was more like, it's this R versus D game, red versus blue, this dumb game. Oh, look how great the red states are compared to these blue states. And they pick differences, and they focus on them, and they sound like they're great, but when you drill down to it, they're not that much um, better, and to the extent they're better, there are still many areas where they are adopting the illegitimate premise of the left. So Bill Lee of Tennessee, who has screwed us on every issue, he comes on there and he has this clip that now, like, and this is what Hannity and all these Republicans do. They're useful idiots. Right when we reach a critical mass of red state primary voters that are ticked off, he's in cycle next time, then they start hedging and coming in our direction temporarily, partially, ephemerally for that time, just enough that we can't get rid of them, and then have people that will really destroy the Democrat Party and get back to the era of good feelings. Take a listen to what Bill Lee told Sean Hannity last night. We're looking around unsatisfied in many states, the ones that we all know about, with life, in particular, life in the last year. And they've been, they've been looking for a long time, but suddenly this, the differences between our states and those blue states are stark. You know, their kids have been out of school for a year. In Tennessee, all of the kids are in school. In fact, we have a strong school choice Are they program. wearing masks? They're not wearing masks. So that's the, the, in, in a couple districts, they are. We have a, a law in this state that allows districts to make that decision. But I've said I don't think any kid ought to wear a mask. Why? If you want to follow the science, you wouldn't have kids in a school wearing masks when kids do not get sick from COVID. Um, that's science, and that's what we ought to be doing. But school choices in states like ours, parents get to choose. Tennessee's the third lowest tax per capita state in the country. So folks, notice that all the difference between the red states and blue states, oh, we don't have masks here. That's not true. All the major population centers, in fact, almost no county didn't have a mask mandate on the children in schools till recently. Almost none of them. Oh, they were in school all year with masks. But now he's a big hero. Yeah, the science, the kids, come on. There's no reason for this. That's not what he was saying. 
He was promoting masking. They had this, they had this entire video series put out on TV by the Department of Health, promoted endlessly by Bill Lee and the media and on Twitter. Face it, masks work. One of their ads actually had a teacher saying, because they're 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 basically saying that masks are the key to getting us back to life. And one of them was a school teacher saying masks basically are what will enable us to get back in school. I'll play the audio here, but in the video, the it's a female, uh, you know, starring in this, sitting in a classroom with a mask on. Take a listen. This is the face of a fighter. I'm fighting to keep Tennesseans working. I'm fighting for time with my friends. I'm fighting for football on Saturday. I'm fighting to see my students back in the classroom. We're fighting for our small business. I'm fighting to keep my family safe. Whatever you're fighting for, it's time for all Tennesseans to fight back. Until there's a vaccine for COVID-19, this is the face of a fighter. Face it, masks fight COVID-19. And remember, Bill Lee played... He tweeted that out at the time. So when it actually mattered, he promoted it like hell for adults, really by default, not just allowed it, but encouraged it for kids. Now that it's over, finally over, next year they won't be there with masks. Whoop-dee-doo. But folks, Bill Lee was down there on the ground. He had his lobbyists blocking legislation that would have barred businesses from mandating masks and vaccines. He's a big hero now. Oh, he banned vaccine passports. Yeah, for state government. It was never going to be from then. It's businesses taking their cues from the feds. This is the game they play. But now he's like a big hero. He's become like a DeSantis. And it's going to be extremely hard to get him out. So we can never destroy the Democrats because we have a fake Republican Party and we can't reform the Republican Party because the minute we're about to do it, they work with phony conservative media to promote themselves. So no one remembers all the ways Bill Lee screwed us for 15 months. But they, what they do remember is now he's a big hero. It just drives me nuts. But there is a way to hold these guys accountable. Because I'm telling you, it's not over. It's not over with the private businesses and even with government. Even with government. You know, there, there, there's a group of North Dakota lawmakers that want to bar the, the public health, whatever, the Department of Health, from putting out public service announcements promoting the vaccine. It's enough. Stop promoting it. Why should state funding be used to promote it? In other words, at this juncture... Nothing should be done with taxpayer funding in a red state for COVID. Nothing. No tracing, no testing, no vaccination, no nothing. I mean, if people want to go get it, but the government should be doing nothing except for making readily available cheap prophylaxis and early treatment. That's it. Name me the state where we have that. None. It feels good in some of these states relative to where it's been, But is that freedom? And then, when the flu comes back, when anything else comes back, or a non-public health incident that they could make an emergency, the new baseline is that we have no rights. And speaking of no rights, I want to get to our next guest. Now, our next segment is sponsored by ConstitutionCoach.com, our partner for this month. Folks, if you are looking for the best defensive handgun and constitution training all in one terrific early summer vacation you could join me at front site nevada with our buddy rick green we have the best uh defensive handgun training you could imagine too many people buy guns and they don't know how to actually use them or at least utilize them in a defensive situation during the day we're out on the range at night we are studying the constitution um again June 6th is the next date that's still available. I'll be out there next week for those of you who signed up for the May 30th trip. Um, If it's too hot for you, and I understand that, I'm scared of the heat. We have a lot of dates in the fall, September, October, November. Just go to constitutioncoach.com, sign up, 90% off the front site training if you do it through them. And when you learn about the Constitution, you will understand that 
there is no emergency exception to the Constitution. The Supreme Court wrote it in Home Building and Loan Association v. Blaisdell, 1934. Emergency does not create power. Emergency does not increase granted power or remove or diminish the restrictions imposed upon power granted or reserved. The Constitution was adopted in a period of grave emergency. Its grants of power to the federal government and its limitations of the powers of the states were determined in light of emergency, and they are not altered by emergency. Likewise, in the landmark Youngstown case in 1952, Justice Robert Jackson, who, by the way, was the lead prosecutor in Nuremberg, as well as the lead dissenter in the Korematsu internment case, he understood very well when public health, the better good, emergencies could be used to quash unalienable rights. So he wrote at the time that there is no emergency exception written in the Constitution. He wrote that... They knew, meaning the founders, what emergencies were, knew the pressures they engender for authoritative action, knew, too, how they afford a ready pretext for usurpation. We have a lot of talk these days about companies and even government requiring separate circumstances for people that don't have the vaccine, that you have to carry a card, um, you have to carry certain uh, symbols, I got this from a worker at Blue Cross Blue Shield in Arkansas. Um, We have the Department of Commerce and the National Weather Service. Again, this is a lot of agencies just where I have some listeners throughout the country showing me how they are going to require proof in order to have your face uncovered. We could have never imagined this and then what they've done to our children. So a lot of people are throwing around analogies of Germany in the 1930s, the, the Yellow Star, And both parties are just going crazy over that analogy. How dare you invoke the Holocaust in in vain? You can't do that. But they don't seem to be too concerned about the underlying problem. So I figured I would discuss this today with someone who actually went through this. Vera Sharav, our next guest, is founder and president of the Alliance for Human Research Protection. They focused for a long time before this, by the way, on identifying human rights violations within the context of public health and medical research. They focus on informed consent and individual rights in public health. Now, Vera would know about the grave, slippery slope of using public health to infringe upon individual rights. She was a child survivor of the Holocaust when she was just a, just a little kid, um, taken from her home and and put into a concentration camp in Ukraine, um, her father died in the camp. Her mother had to send her away a couple years later um, so she could be rescued. And, you know, eventually uh, she she found her way in, to, to Israel and eventually obviously immigrated to the United States. Her experience led her to become an outspoken advocate for human rights as enshrined in the Nuremberg Code, which I want to talk about today. You could find more of her work at ahrp.org. Vera, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. And look, this is unbelievable reading through your website. And I'm thinking, man, did you just put this website up? And obviously, I know you've had this for many years and you were doing this for many years. Am I off base in what I'm saying that you know, typically throughout my life, I never liked invoking the Holocaust. It was very unique. Um, none of us, you know, like making comparisons. But I can't help but find myself looking at what is going on in this country and really across the world, the, what we're doing to children with the masking and the vaccines and everyone's a threat if you don't do what I tell you and the censorship and the shame and no one doing anything about it. Vera, I mean, isn't this kind of similar? I I have to say that I did not expect in my lifetime to again be bearing witness to the collapse of civilization, essentially. And now, yes, it, it's very, very, there are lots of parallels. It's very similar. Let's just take what I have spoken of as the uniqueness of the Holocaust compared to other genocides. 
The uniqueness is that the medical establishment and academia provided the pseudoscientific rationale for laws that were enacted to segregate Jews, to expropriate, of course, their businesses, to strip them of their assets, their property, their status as citizens, and their rights and dignity as human beings. All this way before the final solution. Those who get hysterical about comparisons must have very good reasons for not allowing people to examine and compare. The Holocaust, the final solution, which whose aim was to exterminate the entire Jewish population of Europe, did not begin just like that. There were many steps along the way, and some of those are being reactivated today. Jews were demonized as spreaders of disease. Okay? And, yes, we were made to wear a yellow star, David, which was considered a sign of shame. This was all before the concentration camps and, of course, the extermination camps. Now, history has taught us, really, that if governments get away with suspending civil rights and personal freedoms in an emergency, they will create emergencies in order to take control. The first thing that Hitler did when he took over was to eliminate, to call it an emergency and to thereafter rule by decree. And we now, for over a year, have been living, again, in a state, a declared state of emergency, which allowed governments to rule by decree. Now, here in New York, Governor Cuomo decreed that hospitals were not to treat the elderly who were infected, but to send them to nursing homes. It was a death sentence for more than 15,000 human beings. This also happened in most Western European countries. Now, just stop and think for a minute. Why would the industrialized, wealthy countries of the globe do this? Well, the Nazis had a similar program. It was called T4. The first victims of the Holocaust were not Jews. They were German infants and children under the age of three who had some sort of disability. They were followed by, next in line, were the mentally ill, and then the disabled of all kinds, and then the nursing homes. They were all medically murdered in accordance to a protocol. And that set the stage for the later extermination of Jews and others as well. But, but Jews were the primary target. So what I'm suggesting is that the gates to hell, just as the gates to Auschwitz, they are preceded by steps 
various steps that infringe on personal freedom. Our freedom isn't granted to us by governments. Governments are supposed to protect our freedoms. Our freedoms are God-given. What we've been seeing essentially is a kind of pathology totalitarianism. You know, viruses come and go. That's how nature is. And most people do very well without extreme measures. This time around, the whole globe was supposed to be locked down. What that did was destroy both economies, businesses, and of course, lots of human lives. If they institute those green passports, which essentially um, revisit the Nazi form of tracking Jews. The Nazis hired IBM, who provided the technology. It was a punch card system, which predated the computers. They went and they hired thousands of people to do census taking, first in Germany and then in all the countries that the Nazis occupied. And that's how they were able to locate, to identify, and to deport, and ultimately to murder the Jews of Europe. It was IBM's technology that facilitated the rapid speed of the final solution. Wow, that is that is very chilling there. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I want to hear more from you on this, but I, I want to move it along on a similar vein. So, you know, we're talking about drawing the parallels. And I think one of the reasons why your average person has difficulty with the parallels is because they viewed the Holocaust as specifically coming from a certain ilk targeting a certain victim, a certain group, a certain religion. So everyone expects history to repeat itself, but in the, in the exact same way, rather than learning the broad principles. And nowadays, what I think a lot of people saw, though that is changing with the vaccinated versus unvaccinated, but in general, until now, it's been a uniform tyranny. So they weren't targeting one particular group, although you did talk about the nursing homes there. But in general, everyone seemed to go along with it because everyone has to wear a mask. Everyone has to do this. And unfortunately, our legal system has been so corrupted. You know, this is really my expertise in the court system that they don't seem to recognize individual rights, except if they're applied unequally. But if government equally takes away rights, somehow that's good, which is why some of the only successful lawsuits against this stuff were just on showing that they treated casinos different than churches, but somehow it was okay for them to do all of this to begin with. Um, what would you say to people like that that don't see the tyranny coming when they just see, like, universal strong-arm tactics? Well, they don't... <laughs> they don't know. I think one of the issues really is that very few people uh, can imagine evil, real evil, because most people are not evil. And so they really can't imagine that there are globalists who are planning what they have totally outlined, the Great Reset, they call it, this will essentially, they, they expect to eliminate a large portion of the human population. Bill Gates has been talking about that for years. And those who will remain will essentially be enslaved. And part of the method is technology. They will control human beings and dictate their lives, every part of it. 
This is a major plan that's actually, you can read it, the Great Reset on the World Economic Forum. The architect is Klaus Schwab. People might be interested in the family of the Schwabs because it's a continuum from the Nazi time to today. And now beyond, because the plan is a new world order. That's another name for it. And it will be ruled technologically. It's even called a technocracy. They want to control people's thoughts, and they have the technology already to do it. We all got used to, and some really are addicted to the iPhone and to various other apps and things. What people didn't realize is that this is a two-way highway. While we were using it to browse the Internet, they were collecting personal data on everybody who was using this stuff. As it is already, our medical records have been sent to the government. This was all in the last 10, 15 years. Before that, medicine was private. Nobody had a right to ask you if you were vaccinated or if you had an appendicitis or whatever. It was between you and your doctor. How did that get lost along the way? People didn't realize that information can be used as a weapon to control. They don't need to tell you which ethnic group they intend to get rid of. But they have ways of selecting Yep, and, and it doesn't always have to be the same every time. I, 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 what, what I find very perturbing is that a lot of these, whether they're Jewish organizations or just organizations that, for lack of a better way of describing them, earn a living off the Holocaust, but, but then they patrol anyone else who, who invokes it. Um, they're like the hall monitors, but they're allowed to invoke it for anything they want. They always presuppose and I believe there's an exhibit at the National Holocaust Museum in Washington that depicts this message that it's a right-wing ideology Nazism is fundamentally rooted in that and any fear of where it's going to come out in the future is always going to be exclusively on the right and it's always from white people and whatever and it's there's never a fear from big government getting too much power or anything and and, and I find a lot of people snookered into that, and that's really what this the Holocaust industry, I think, is is misleading people. But what's your perspective on that, having having grown up as a, as a child living it and then now, you know, being in America and, and almost seeing it come full circle? Well, absolutely. Look, I mean, part of it is that people kind of tend to really forget that when you say Nazi, you also should say communist. The two are flip side of the coin. Hitler and Stalin were not different. In fact, Stalin actually killed more people. If, if one, you know, wants to compare uh, those kind of tyrants. Uh, under both systems, you and I would, you know, would be mincemeat. And so you're right. I mean, right now, I am feeling much more fearful of the, 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 the lunatic left. <laughs> I mean, part of the, there's hypocrisy going on that is just unbelievable. The, when we talk about the masking and all that, you know, the, the most ardent um, politicians who insist on masking and, and, and lockdowns and all that throughout this year, were caught, each one of them were caught without masks, were caught in, whether it was in fancy restaurants and, and Governor Newsom or whether um, Nancy Pelosi was with her hairdresser or, where, or whether they're at, at a function in the White House and nobody is with masks. So there is a divide. There's a great divide between what they tell us we must do 
and what they do when they think no one's looking. That should alert people to realize that those who are giving these orders themselves realize that there's absolutely no reason. There is no health reason for any of these restrictions. They're draconian restrictions which were for social control. And much of it is a psychological control experiment, how far they can go. And boy, how far they took it. So that's my next question to you. Um, I know we don't have that much more time, but this is, this is really very enlightening to a lot of our audience. And what I wanted to get your take on is the second half of this. So the first half is how government gets together with the medical establishment, the corporate establishment, and seizes control particularly now with the technology that, that didn't exist last century, it's, it's a grave danger. But what's shocking is the second half, the people, the people themselves. Um, you know, if you would have told me a day would come and government would try to do this, I probably would have believed it. But what I wouldn't believe is how much people would go along with it to the point of putting masks on a baby, a two-year-old, when, when it was black and white with the data from day one that it was never a threat to them, and you know even if masks did work. And right now where I live, uh, shockingly, they did take off all the mask mandates. Now they're warning about the flu, and this is going to be the new baseline, and we don't have our freedom back. But for now, you, you could go places without it. My wife tells me whenever she goes out somewhere the past two weeks, she is almost the only one without it. So the people are almost even further into it than even like, you know, where I am, Baltimore County, just like where you are in New York, pretty liberal, far left government, and the people are taking it even further. Is that another parallel we can draw from the 1930s? Well, one of the, one of the parallels... You see, when I came to this country and I looked around, you know, New York City, I, I was ten and a half, and I thought, where was everybody? Where was everybody while we were in hell? And now more are realizing, at least those who've studied the history, now they're beginning to understand where the German people were and where they were not. Fear. Fear is the most powerful weapon of all. And that's what they've used now with this coronavirus. They have succeeded in making the public terrified terrified essentially of a boogeyman because 99.7% you know do pretty well with the virus they don't get very sick and the few who do well you know people with multiple ailments are susceptible to a lot of things they don't have good immune systems and so they can't fight off whether it's this virus or another one but the idea, and to this day, Andrew Cuomo dictated that children two and up in daycare will have to continue to wear masks. This is one of the major crimes against a generation of children. They've been deprived of education. They've been deprived of learning how to see people's facial expressions. This is so important a part of childhood. They get no feedback. People masked. That's a terrible deprivation. I know from my own experience as a child when I was separated from my mother and I, for 10 months I was en route and I had to rely on the kindness of strangers. I learned to assess people who I thought would help me, and I did. I found some. Wow. You're, you're saying that, I mean, this is a point I haven't extrapolated on a lot. You're saying, I mean, you were in a grave danger. Um, you, were, you were escaping Europe, and you were without any parents, and you would look to people's facial expressions to see if there are people you could trust. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because I did not, I, I was supposed to be with orphans, and I did not 
uh, trust my peers, you know, the bullies. I was little. I, I looked for adults. I looked for surrogate, you know, parents, essentially. Could you tell that story um, uh, for, for our audience, if, if, if you have a couple moments and then we'll wrap it up, um, just what influenced you in life to not trust you know, certain people's advice and an established way of doing things. If you could talk a little bit about your story yeah. of escaping Europe en route to what was then called Palestine. Right. Well, uh, on the train, I befriended a family. The train to uh, the port city from where we were going by boat. And when we got there, there were three small boats. Uh, and I was assigned to the boat with all the orphan children, and I refused. I absolutely refused. Everybody else embarked on, to their assigned place, and I sat there in my little valise and scream and cry and cry and cry. Absolutely no. Refused no matter what. And uh, eventually, finally, I prevailed. And they let me go with the family that I had befriended. Now, the first night out at sea, I was asleep because I get seasick and they put me to sleep. But that night, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. They all died. The next morning... I found out about it. Everybody was talking about it and crying. And, and I didn't say one word. But I thought to myself, I was right. I was right to disobey. But I also had a pang of guilt. Because I felt guilty that I was glad to be alive. That memory, of course, is indelible. Uh, for me, and it has helped in life at different times when authorities gave me orders, and I said, hold on, not so fast. And I think that what anyone can learn from it is just look into yourself, trust your own judgment, trust your instinct. Trust your common sense, your life experience. Don't defer to authority. Authorities do not have your personal best interest at heart. You know what's best for your children, not authorities. They don't have to suffer the consequences of a bad decision. Let's make our own decisions be they good decisions or bad decisions. It's not for others to run your lives. And I think that if more people trusted themselves, we wouldn't be in this mess of waiting for the next order. And just think about it. Everywhere it's a bit different in (laughs) In one place, the curfew is 10 o'clock, and the other one, it's 9 o'clock. In one place, you have to wear masks outside. In other places, you don't. Obviously, there's no rhyme or reason. This is all a method of control, of getting us used to condition us. That's all that it's about. It has nothing to do with a real medical emergency. You know, just to cap this off, you gave us a lot of good philosophical advice um, if you could just tell us, you know, about what you're doing with your organization and specifically what you think headed forward the next few weeks and months are the most important action items. We have a lot of people throughout the country who are forming strike force teams in state legislatures to permanently reform emergency powers, take back power from the governor. I just got a message from a, a New Hampshire legislator last night that the state Senate blocked her bill that merely just affirmed, it was a kind of a resolution, just affirming that the constitutional rights and the Bill of Rights of New Hampshire apply during a time of emergency. 
And the Senate blocked it because they said the governor doesn't like it because, um, you know, now we only have one branch. Of course, the governor. Yeah, there's like only it. one branch of government. <laughs> so we're trying to see how we could push. What What are some things? Where do you think are the biggest fights that we need to, um, you know, b- b- parachute into and really fight to the death to to implement? Well, the first thing really is to prevent the vaccination of the children. And there is, there is a petition at the FDA, which people need, I'll have to send you, I don't know how to do this, you know, because I can't give you the, the URL, it's complicated. The point is, Children's Health Defense, okay, submitted a petition to the FDA, essentially to cease and desist, to not to to rescind actually the uh, emergency use authorization. There is no emergency right now, and this is an experimental vaccine. It's really a genetic uh, tinkering. They don't even know what the uh, adverse, the long term one adverse effects for sure, and they're finding out the short term. By now, there, there are more than 4,500 deaths in the United States following vaccination. People are getting heart attacks. They, there are a huge number of miscarriages. This is not a benign intervention, and it needs to be really rescinded. They need, if they, they need to test it properly. For heaven's sakes, under, under President Trump's Operation Warp Speed, you know, everybody was given immunity, the manufacturers and those who give the vaccines. They have immunity, but the harm done will be suffered and is being suffered by more and more people. And now OSHA announced that businesses who require it illegally, by the way, also are absolved from immunity for a workplace uh, injury. Uh, you know, they flip-flopped on that. I, I, I'm sure that will be challenged legally because uh, who are they to change their own rules? This is, you know, their own rule is that, yes, that um, employers who mandate anything are then liable for harm, and they will be sued. So, you know, obviously uh, there will be a lot of lawsuits beginning to be filed all over, uh, both in the United States and elsewhere. And uh, the fact that people need to also realize that there are thousands of doctors who are against all this, and, and they are being they're under siege also. Doctors have license, have their medical license removed if they provide treatment. Remember, there are treatments for this coronavirus. There are a lot of treatments. And, and, and There's ivermectin, there's hydroxychloroquine. There are a whole number of antibiotics. And they censor drugs. it. They censor it. It's that, unbelievable. Well, that's it. Again, now, why are they censoring it? Because they are intent. As Bill Gates said, the a vaccine will be the final solution. His words. That made my oh blood curdle. Oh, my curdle. gosh. Wow. Yeah, the parallels are more numerous than we can count. Okay, so they, they're, you know, the parallel, they're drawing the parallels themselves. I mean, I, I'm not drawing the pictures. I'm just pointing to where they are and what, and what they're saying. People need to be terrified of those who are ordering them to put their lives at risk. And, and with children. People need to. And Americans can take control. We still have, you know, some rights. We got to use them or lose them. And, and, and again, we found it. That's we found right. it there. It's children's. And I want to say one final so, thing. So just, Vera, know, just hold which, that thought. I just want our listeners to know what you're talking about. Children'sHealthDefense.org. If you go to the top of their website, they make it easier for you. It's blurred right at the top. Submit a comment to the FDA. So, again, Children'sHealthDefense.org. 
I'm sorry, I cut you off there. So what was your final comment? Obviously, we we collaborate. (laughs) You know, obviously our organization and theirs collaborate, but they, uh, yeah, they have the resources for this. And and, uh, this, people will have a chance to comment, to give their point of view about the uh, suspending the vaccination for children. Uh, What I want to point out as a final thought is that then, at the end of World War II, the way World War II ended is the Allied forces, America, UK, and Soviet Union, they won the war and they liberated, they rescued those who were left alive. There are no Allied forces to rescue us in this global war. Just bear that in mind. If we don't use our rights now, we will never have them again. There won't be. There are no rescuers. They've simply extended the reach of where Hitler was focused on to the entire globe. You know, I would have thought you were crazy two years ago. Um, But after living through this, I am just, I'm just, my mouth is wide open. I'm just shocked at how they're debunked and debunked and debunked. And it's so devastating what they're doing. And it's shown to be false one after another. And yet still people buy their next batch the next tranche of their lies so they're proven wrong on the wuhan lab now facebook says it's okay to write about that but somehow it's not okay to write about ivermectin they're still by the way censoring my ivermectin articles my articles about masks uh two more studies came out that analyzed all 50 states mask mandates versus non-mask mandates over the winter spread zero none of it had any 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 significance in changing the course of the illness i mean that you could see but the states that were locked down the states that weren't locked down didn't didn't matter matter. and 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 that's the thing north dakota south dakota it didn't matter because that's not the way it works and you know until 2020 scientists actually were on record and, and in, in, uh, in journal articles pointing out that, no, lockdowns are the worst thing to do. You do not close society. What you do is you quarantine the sick, not the healthy. And what they've done is the exact opposite. They sent the, the, the infected to the nursing homes, and they had the healthy <laughs> yeah, locked down and masked, and God knows what, what the next thing is. I, the, the first time that I personally thought about the parallel from Nazi Germany was when my wife and I were walking out, outdoors, by the way. And, you know, it was kind of one of these semi-private neighborhoods, but it was connected to a commercial area. And it's a, it's a, it's a walk that a lot of people make. It's not that you can't walk there. And, you know, we were walking. I was pushing the stroller. I got my wife, my three boys, a baby. And this middle-aged woman or so, the typical Karen demographic, walks by and, like, viciously makes, like, a facial, you know, gesticulation with her hands to put on a mask to my, my, my son, who was only, you know, 10 years old at the time. And I was thinking to myself, and you could see the hatred and viciousness in her eyes, and I turned to my wife and I said, you know... Just a year ago, that would be the type of woman to ooh and ah over, you know, the baby and the family. You know, I mean, just we didn't look like a bunch of gangsters walking down the the street. And and here, just the viciousness, how they could turn another human being against someone for something so illogical. Um, And that's when I said, wow, now I understand how in the middle of the 20th century in enlightened Germany, you know, this could have happened so quickly. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, Jews and, and, and Christians in, in Germany and Austria, they lived side by side. It was a very integrated society, actually. And then the next thing, you know, yes. I mean, you can turn people, yeah, unfortunately, yes. You do it with, with, with uh, you know, a regiment of 
fear and constant propaganda about uh, disease, you know, spreaders of disease and all that. And, and there you go. It's truly... It's more powerful than an atom bomb. It, it's unbelievable what it's done to society. And now you have all these articles, and you don't need the articles. You see it in the street, how people are saying they're never going to stop wearing it. Um, I mean... <laughs> you know, you just think about... I mean, masks are the most dehumanizing, demeaning. I do see the, uh, the symbolic equivalence to the yellow star, absolutely. And the yellow star is as horrible as it was. It wasn't put over your breathing. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, again, I, I, no, no, we're no, no, but, but here, this is, <laughs> this winds up from your own experience. This winds up being <laughs> as a sign of legitimacy. <laughs> you know, you have to wear a mask and hide your face then you're an okay citizen. I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. It, it is nuts, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, look, I've been a, a man of the, of the political right for many years. I've been well-known in these circles, and I was shocked that even my colleagues, you know, it was a very small group of people raising flags a year ago to this, and I kept telling them, I said, wait a minute, if government could put a regulation on your inactivity— Literally, your inactivity, it's not even like you're smoking, you're just breathing and force you to take an action against the most intimate part of your body. Tell me quite literally, what can they not do to you? What can they not do to you? And you know what? I think they were surprised at how easily and how quickly they had everybody marching the goose step. It, it, it truly is. I mean, it, it, nobody ever thought... I'm positive they must have joked a lot about how easy it was to do all this. These are, no, no, and okay, people can say, oh, conspiracy theory. Hey, when there's a conspiracy in front of you and it's affecting your life, you better recognize it. And certainly we've never seen anything like this. You know, I, before, look, uh, years before the Holocaust, right? There was a right-wing Zionist, Jabotinsky, who went all over Eastern Europe and told the Jews to get out. Get out, it's going to burn. Those were his words. And most did not listen to him because they thought he was, you know, just a rabble-rouser. My husband's father did get up and go to Israel, to Palestine at the time. And then a year later brought the wife and the baby my husband, and uh, so they were, you know, they were spared. Uh, siblings who remained there were not spared. So, you know, some, some people, they are like um, the, uh, what do you call them, the biblical, um, <laughs> I know the word in Hebrew, but not, <laughs> the prophets. They see things. Just like science fiction authors, they see things before the rest of society, before we recognize the science. And, you know, there are times you better listen to them because they're seeing something before. And not all of them are crazy. <laughs> they just are non you know, they are just going against the grain of the mass uh, accepted uh, narrative. But this narrative that we've been living under is totally made up. It's false and it's very, very dangerous. It's destructive to the very core. It, it, it is attempting to destroy humanity as human beings are meant to be. Free. Wow. Those are very ominous words, Vera. Um, I really appreciate you giving us so much time today. Again, people, I guess, could find you where again? HRP.org, right? HRP.org, yes. Alliance for Human Research Protection. Lots of information there, more to come. And, uh, yeah, I mean, people need to really wake up from this nightmare. Well, God bless you for sounding that clarion uh, alert and and really sharing your experience with us. It's not every day that people get to hear that perspective from someone like you who has lived that life experience. 
Um, again, thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to having you back again. So, folks, that was Vera Sharav, a uh, child Holocaust survivor. Um, you know, I think she got out of Europe when she was six and a half. I I don't know what to tell you. I'm just like spellbound listening to that. Um, you know, this is not something you'll hear in the media. They trot out these like Holocaust type of organizations or these Jewish organizations. There are a bunch of leftist communist outlets that are downright in with this. And they hijack it, and then they say, how dare you invoke the Holocaust? Um, well, actually, you know, they're the ones doing it. They're exemplifying what the Nazis did. And again, you know, it's a stupid thing to say. It's very sophomoric to say, well, don't compare it to killing 6 million people. We're not talking about killing 6 million people. We're talking about what led up to it. Uh, we, we, we don't want that. I mean, there already has been a mass genocide. Uh, the thousands of people who needlessly died both from COVID and from the reaction to it, based on what our government did, um, we don't want to find out more. You want to stuff it in the hole, and and it's not even stuffed in the hole now. Uh, we don't have to imagine. I mean, remember, last summer, there were parodies put out laughing about an eventuality of children in school going to school all day with a mask. It was a satire. Two weeks later, it became a reality in every corner of the country that had schools even opening, and there was no resistance. The resistance you're seeing really only grew in the last two months or so. So this is shocking both on what the globalists are willing to do and what people are willing to accept. And look, I mean, she is fully authentic. I mean, you could look her up. Um, she lived those experiences, you know, didn't live for many years through it. As an adult, but in many ways to grow up as a ch very young child like that, imagine being put into a camp. Um, it wasn't a death camp, but it was a concentration camp, I believe, in Ukraine from the when she was maybe there for two years when she was four and five years old. Um, her father died of typhus at the time. And then um, I honestly never even asked her about her mother, whatever happened to her. Um, whether she you know, was reunited with her after the war, whether she also died, um, but she went alone to what you know was becoming Israel at the time, the 40s, and then a few years later made it to New York, and I think she's been there ever since, started a family there. But that is, that is the real story, folks. Um, they are the ones enacting and exemplifying the parallels of Nazi Germany. So don't yell at the messenger. Yell at the people actually doing it. Um, it is just inexcusable. And that's why, after hearing a little bit from Vera, I want to go back to the beginning of the show from the clips I played from a red state Republican governor, just what a fraud that guy is. This is so destructive and so illegitimate, immoral, illegal, inhumane that it's not enough just to be better than Cuomo. Better than, you know, Gretchen uh, Whit Whitmer and Newsom and these people. You have to completely undermine it. And if they have majorities in all these states, they have the ability to just get rid of it. All of it. And that includes on the so-called private sector, which is no longer private anymore. You know, if we're going to tell private businesses everything they can and cannot do, you sure as bet your bottom dollar we're going to make them not violate basic human rights, especially when it's at the behest of the federal government anyway. So send me your comments, questions, concerns, your feedback, your questions for Vera. Um, hopefully we'll have her back again. I could just listen to her forever. I could literally listen to her forever. I called her a few months ago and just like, wow. Um, there's so much you can learn from someone like that. There aren't that many people left um, like that. You know, she was obviously a, a child survivor. Um, you know, adult survivors are almost non-existent uh, given how much time has passed. And that's the thing. I mean, it's drawing the right lessons. It's also interesting that the left is like patrolling who could invoke the Holocaust, but you have rising anti-Semitism on the level of Europe, now in American cities, and where is it coming from? It's coming from their people and their policies. The unbridled migration from the Middle East, 
where you have all these pro-Hamas people now. You have the BLM folks, which are really the modern-day Farrakhan guys, Al Sharptons. That's where the threat is. No one on the right that would believe in that has any legitimacy or power to enact what they believe in, whereas the left controls the world. That's where the threat comes from. And again, you can't just be sensitive to what's viewed as a very particularized persecution of a very specific group. History doesn't necessarily repeat it. It it always repeats itself, but not necessarily in the exact same manifestation. That's going to be this group or that group. It could be broad society that it's going to be a class of people who listen to the political elites and those who are on the outs with them. And that's going to span across different religions and races and ethnicities and whatever. That's really the battle of our time. And the most chilling thing Vera said, oh my gosh, boy was that chilling, when she talked about the liberation of Europe and she said, now there are no allied forces. We are our only advocates. If we don't stand up with the power that we have, you know, you live in a, in a place with, you know, a red state, you really don't have that type of power anywhere else in the world. Where if we merely asserted our will on the elected officials who need our votes and pretend to, as we see with these Republican governors, they're now pretending to be like us, but we have to make sure it's for real and get rid of them. There might be a come, come a time when there's not a single state where we even have the ability to assert our will anymore. So very chilling indeed. We went a little long today, but I think it was worth it. Uh, next week, I'm going to be out at Front Sight um, for our next training. Looking forward to meeting you guys. So we'll have a show Friday. Monday is Memorial Day. I'm going to try to keep up and post the show for Tuesday and Wednesday, but they might be recorded at funny times. So, you know, obviously, I always like to be up on the latest and greatest, but might be a little bit different for the beginning of next week. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.